This is a Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 13, How to Find Joy Amid Challenges. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Stand with Lynette. I'm so glad that you're here to wrap up our fundies. We are going to wrap up our self-care fundamentals this week by focusing on joy and how to find joy amid challenges. If you will recall, we have thus far talked about the fundamentals of eat, sleep, move, breathe, be present, be prosperous, be grateful, and we're wrapping it up today with be joyful. Eat, sleep, move, and breathe have to do with strengthening our body, and you can go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't done so already, and be present, be prosperous, be grateful, be joyful. These are the fundamentals that focus on our mind and our spirit. So the body fundamentals, eat, sleep, move, breathe, they focus on doing and be present, be prosperous, be joyful, be grateful. Those focus on the mind and spirit or being. This is what we want to become. So all eight work together to support our mind, body, and spirit, allowing us to have a fullness of joy. But before we dive any deeper into how we can really get that fullness of joy and find joy amid our challenges and our circumstances, I want to take a moment to read the review of the week. This is from Mel B. Thank you for bringing to light the simple truths that many of us still believe. With all the competing voices in the world, it is a strength to find like-minded souls who voice the truth. It helps me feel motivated to stand and stay strong. The weekly podcast topics are the things I need to hear right now. I also enjoy the challenges each episode to apply the things taught. Thank you for your enthusiasm and encouragement. Well, thank you, Mel B., for leaving this thoughtful review. I super appreciate it. If you will contact me on Instagram, via DM, via email, via contact form on my website, lynetteshepard.com, let me know I read your review. I would be happy to send you a little gift as a thank you. And the same goes for any of you who would be willing to leave a review. If I read it on the air, I would be happy to send you a gift as a thank you because these reviews really mean the world to me. They help me to find more people who I can help. So thank you to all who have left a review and thank you Mel B for this review of the week. Okay, let's get back to our topic of the of the day which is joy and finding joy. This is the crowning jewel of all of our fundies or fundamentals and it can also be the most difficult to find. Anybody knows it is not easy to be joyful, to find joy when life is hard. And let's be honest, life for many people is very hard right now. I don't know about the people in your life, but my husband is serving as a bishop. I was recently released as a Relief Society president. I have seen this firsthand up close and personal. Everybody seems to be struggling with something. Even if it's not broadcasted for all the world to see, 
we all are fighting battles in the quiet of our own homes and in the quiet of our own minds. So today, let's talk about how we can find more joy, no matter what's happening in our lives. If it's hard, we can still find joy. I'm going to paint the picture to illustrate this by using an experience from my own life that happened many, many years ago. My oldest son is almost 24, and back when I was expecting him, so 24 years ago, I was at the time a student at BYU studying family science, and I had spent the four years of my college career immersed in all things family. I had taken classes on marriage. I had taken classes on parenting. I had taken classes on child development and family dynamics and family finances and all things related to family. And with this foundation, I thought I was ready to launch into parenthood with confidence. I thought that I could handle whatever challenge was thrown at me, but really, I believed that given the knowledge that I had and the things that I had learned through my education, I had what it took to raise sweet, obedient, joyful children who always did everything I told them to do without complaint. Now, I have no idea where I got this this idea that this was going to be my reality, to raise children who were essentially perfect just because I had studied family science in college, but somehow that was my expectation. And so when this first little innocent little baby boy was born and we brought him home from the hospital, he screamed himself hoarse on that first night that we had him home. He screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed all night long until morning came and he had this tiny little squeak of a scream and that's it because he had lost his little voice screaming all night long and i thought to myself this is not how it's supposed to be i i i know all this stuff about parenting and families this child is supposed to be easygoing and agreeable and obedient and you know, I mean, he was one day old at the time, so we'll give him a little pass on the obedience, but just sweet and agreeable and joyful. Those were my expectations that were shattered within 24 hours. And this little sweet boy continued to scream for about nine solid months. And then after that, there were years and years of stubborn, defiant behavior. And I loved this little baby of mine. But I was also in over my head, and this is not how I pictured motherhood, and I did not anticipate managing near-constant crying in the baby years, followed by spectacular meltdowns in the toddler years, followed by having books thrown at my head and spit in my face in the preschool years, followed by attempts to run away and screams of, I wish I were dead when things did not go his way in the early school years. But this was my reality. And let me not forget to mention that I had five kids by the time this oldest son of mine was 10 years old, in which time we moved across the country for dental school, followed by moving again to another state for residency, followed by moving again when we finally were done with school, and all of the challenge that accompanied these young years of having hard, 
not easygoing little children at home with me while, while my husband was very busy with graduate school and residency. I did my best in those years to keep afloat, but I was so overwhelmed with the demands of my young family that the major thing that was missing in my life was joy. When people asked me what I liked to do, I honestly could not even answer their question. I didn't know what I liked to do. I hadn't had time to do things that I liked to do for what seemed like forever. I didn't even know what they were anymore. If I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would give her a lot of encouragement. But one thing that I would tell her is that joy isn't a future destination. It can be part of her experience every single day if she only has eyes to see it. And at that time when I was living it, I didn't often have eyes to see it. I saw challenge. I saw frustration. I saw all the things that were hard. And I had a hard time seeing the goodness and the joy. But in 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 25, we all know this famous verse, Adam fell that men might be and men are that they might have joy. Men, and let's be honest, women, are that they might have joy. But then in Abraham, chapter 3, verse 25, it says, And we will prove them now herewith to see if they will do all things which the Lord their God shall command to them. So we are here to be tested, to be tried, and to be proven, but we are also here to have joy. Those two things feel incompatible, don't they? How can we be proven, which really means challenge, trial, heartache, hardship, and be here to have joy at the same time? How do we find joy during periods of proving? Before we get to that, first let's talk for a minute about what blocks joy. What gets in the way of joy? Through my experience, I have learned that often what gets in the way of joy, at least for me, is the stories that I tell myself, the limiting beliefs that I have. Things like, I can't be happy if my kids aren't happy, or I can only be as happy as my least happy child. Have you heard these things before? Have you maybe said these things before? If I'm being really honest, these two phrases don't sit well with me. They've always kind of rubbed me wrong. So that means if my kids are struggling, that I will never be happy. Is that what that, that looks like? That I can't be happy unless they are? And having five kids who are now teens and young adults, I can tell you that there is always at least one struggling with something. So if I believe that I cannot be happy unless my kids are happy, or I can only be as happy as my least happy child, I will have a miserable existence because there's always someone unhappy. So this is a story. This is a limiting belief. What are some other stories? What are some other limiting beliefs? What about my circumstances are difficult and I should feel miserable? How can I be happy with these things going on in my life? It's so hard. I should feel miserable. Let's get rid of the shoulds, okay? Those things might get us into trouble. What about it's selfish to feel joy when there is so much suffering going on around me? Have you thought that before? It is not hard to look around and see suffering going on around you, rather directly around you, in your immediate circle of influence with your family, your neighbors, your friends, your ward members, or on a global scale with wars happening, with 
school shootings happening in Texas just a couple of weeks ago with other major catastrophes and challenges and hardships. How can I feel joy when so many people are suffering? Maybe that's selfish. Maybe it feels selfish. What about I can't be joyful unless all the stars align perfectly? When everything lines up A through C or A through D or A through F in my life and one leads to two and two leads to three and three leads to four and then I can feel joyful. If anything is out of alignment, I have a hard time feeling joy. Have you ever thought those things? Have you ever told yourself those stories or maybe some like them? And that kind of blocks joy in your life. You're, uh, you're shutting it out before it even has a chance to grow. I've totally, totally been there. So this is not meant to throw stones, all right? We've all been there. These are things that are universal challenges, I think, for us in life to be able to overcome the stories that we tell ourselves, get rid of the limiting beliefs, and allow for joy to be part of our experience no matter what is happening, no matter the suffering, no matter the trial, no matter all of that, joy is possible. I want to illustrate that by telling you a story from the life of my great, great, great grandfather, Benjamin F. Johnson. He lived back in the time of, of Joseph Smith. He, he was in Kirtland. He was in Nauvoo. He was a dear friend of the prophet Joseph and was among the early saints who were driven from their Nauvoo homes in the middle of winter following the martyrdom of the prophet Joseph. In his autobiography, he wrote about his experiences during this exodus. And I'm going to quote him from his autobiography. He said, Quote, from near the 1st of February to the 1st of March, we were camped at Sugar Creek amid storms. The mercury at one time recording 20 degrees below zero. Yet there was a warm feeling in our hearts where we felt to trust in God. Even in the midst of tribulation in a stormy winter's encampment, merry songs and happy voices were heard at every campfire. And when weather permitted, all ages would join, inspired by sweet music in the dance. Close quote. They were on the banks of Sugar Creek amid storms, 20 degrees below zero, freezing, having been driven from their homes by angry mobs. And yet there was joy. There was laughter. There was music. Everybody would join in to dancing. I find that super inspiring. Now, here is another quote from him. He says, measles was now in camp, and when its fever was upon our two eldest, the water came in so deep into the tent that our beds were soaked. A number of children died, among whom was one of Brother Bostwick's, a little girl about six years of age. Oh, how sorrowful to put her little form, as we did, in a grave half full of water, as no drier place could be found. Yet with all of this, there was hope and cheerfulness in the camp, and perhaps no company of equal size ever journeyed together with less fault-finding and murmuring. Close quote. Now, these pioneers had experienced all manner of adversity. They had been driven from Missouri by an extermination order written by the hand of a governor who should have protected them. They had been attacked by mobs, had their homes burned, seen loved ones killed, and moved several times to escape persecution. They had seen their prophet and his brother murdered in cold blood, and now they had to leave behind their beloved city and the temple they had built with their own hands for years and years 
in the dead of winter. Walk across the Mississippi River, they had no idea where they were going or how long it would take to get there. They carried only a few possessions. They were freezing and dying of measles, yet they were cheerful and hopeful. How? How did they do that? When I think of their plight and what they experienced and what that might have been like, I am brought to the depths of humility. They sacrificed everything for the God they loved. And even at, when persecution after persecution arose, they trusted in his deliverance. Could that have played a role in their joyful outlook? I believe so. How could it not play a role in their joyful outlook? If they didn't have a purpose and a reason for doing the things that they were doing, how could they have joy? They knew their God was with them and they trusted him. And so they could find peace and hope and joy amid all the trials that they were experiencing. There will always be hardship in our lives. We may not be like the pioneers having to leave our homes in the dead of winter at the threat of mob violence and walk and walk and walk and walk to an unknown destination amid all of the challenges of that life on the trail. Hopefully, we won't have to do that. But there is other hardships. There are other hardships that, that each one of us face because that is part of the proving it talks about in Abraham chapter 3. But we like the pioneers of old, can find joy amid the challenges of our lives. So let's talk about ways that we can do that. The first way that you can find joy amid your challenging circumstances is to give yourself permission. And this may sound simplistic, but you don't need to wait for anything to be joyful. You don't need to wait for your circumstances to improve in order to be joyful. You don't need to wait for your kids to be happy to be joyful. You don't need to wait till you find a job or until this health challenge goes away or until your child grows out of whatever stage is so hard in order to find joy. You can find joy in the middle of all of it. Even if those you love are struggling. So let's go back to that story where I can't be happy if my loved ones are struggling. You can be a source of strength and joy and hope for them. I learned this through difficult personal experience not all that long ago when one of my kids was struggling with something really challenging and he was having a hard time keeping his head above water. And in the middle of all of that, the Lord reminded me that it was not my job to make my son's life easy. It was not my job to take away his challenges. And I could not help lift him to higher ground if I was right there in the mud with him. It was my job to be positive and to be supporting and to help lift him to higher ground. And in order to lift him to higher ground, I had to be on higher ground myself. And one of the things that I learned through that experience is that we can mourn with those who mourn without wallowing in sorrow. Let me say that again. We can mourn with those who mourn without wallowing in sorrow. Often, those who are struggling need a source of light. They need a source of hope. They need a source of positivity. They need somebody to lighten the mood and make them smile in the middle of their pain. Just 
two days ago, there was um, a death in our ward. And my husband is a bishop, so he was on the front lines of all that was happening, and this was not expected. And um, he went over and was with the family. There's a wife and a son of about 24 years old. And now they're left without a father. Again, this was not something that they anticipated coming. And I went over with my husband to visit with them in their home the night after this, or that same night that, you know, this man passed away and we went over to be with the family and, and to comfort them and to to listen and to do what we could. And then we went again the next night and just were there for a few minutes. And it was interesting because this woman, she, she told us about, she said, it's been a hard day. Obviously, we can appreciate that. It has been a hard day. This is a day after her husband passed away. And she said, but you know what's getting me through is humor. And she told us about an experience that she had had with making a call that she had to make all these calls to tell all the people, you know, what had happened. And she made a call and somebody told her a story that made her laugh and made her smile. And she recounted that to us when we were there that night as just like, okay, like, this lightness is just, I can breathe for a minute. I can laugh for a minute. I can feel better for a minute. And so we can comfort those who stand in need of comfort and mourn with those who mourn while still keeping a joyful outlook and helping to share that with them and lift them to higher ground. Okay, so that's number one. Give yourself permission. The second is to look for the joy. Sometimes we have to look harder than others. When things are very challenging, joy may not be evident. We may not be able to see it right off the bat. We may have to look a little deeper, but it is always there. And often I have found that it is there in small and simple ways that we would probably miss if we weren't looking for them. Things, little moments that happened, funny things your kids say, watching a sunset, Seeing something in nature that just sparks a moment of joy or peace in you. Little things. These don't have to be huge things. Often when you're in the middle of something challenging, they aren't huge things. They are, they are little things. But look for them. Pay attention. Realize that they're there. The third thing that you can do is to write a joy list. Basically, this is just a list of all the things that bring you joy. So think about it. What brings you joy? Write write those things down. It could be as simple as I'm going to turn on music while I'm making dinner and I'm going to dance while I'm making dinner and that's going to bring me a little bit of joy. It could be as simple as sitting on the back porch and watching the sunrise or watching the sunset. It can be taking a walk outside. These are things that are free, that cost nothing but a few moments of your time to stop, to look, to pay attention, and to experience the joy of that moment. It could be something bigger, maybe like going to a museum or going to the beach or going on a trip somewhere. Sometimes those things aren't always things that we can do at the spur of the moment when we need a little upliftment or a little extra joy in our life. So as you're making your list, write down everything. Keep it handy. Maybe some big things, some smaller things. Maybe those big things you can plan and schedule and put on the calendar so you have something to look forward to. And those small things that don't cost any money, 
you can just, when you're having a bad day, when you're feeling overwhelmed or whatever, just pull out your list and do something on that list. Purposefully bring joy into your life. Now, maybe you're like I was back when I was younger and had a bunch of little kids and I didn't even know what brought me joy. I had forgotten what brought me joy. And if that's the case, think about what brought you joy years ago, maybe back to your childhood, maybe back when you were a teenager or a young adult and you had less worries or less cares in your life. What did you do for fun? What brought you joy back then? Is that something that you can maybe tweak and resurrect in your life today? Or is that something that you've totally outgrown? I think we can learn something about ourselves by looking back at our past and things that we used to love to do and maybe modify those to the present day. One time, I a few years ago, I signed up for a six-month-long French cooking class. I With a friend, a friend and I went every Friday for three or four hours, and we took this French cooking class, and it was one of the best things I've ever done for myself. I looked forward to it every week. I loved having that few hours to myself with my friend, and we went and we made food that we have not made since a lot of it because it's not typical like weeknight fare, right? But it was so much fun. So maybe think about doing something like that. Take a dance class. Do something just for you. All right. The next thing that we can do to cultivate more joy in our lives is to learn from nature. Now, I will admit this is a new concept for me, but I love it. A few weeks ago, a woman in my Shine 75 community, which is a challenge that I am running to help women develop spiritual habits in their lives, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this at a later date, but I have kind of a pilot group going right now, testing it out for me, seeing if it works, and there was a woman in this community who shared that she was struggling to find joy amid some really hard things in her life and things had just kind of happened that she wasn't expecting and they had gotten harder and harder and she was struggling to find joy in the middle of that. And she was just asking for ideas, for thoughts, for support, for maybe things that other people did to find joy in their lives amid challenges. And another woman in the community shared something profound that has stuck with me and that maybe will be impactful to you as well. She talked about how in nature, flowers and trees, they bloom at their own pace. Some trees are green all year long. We have the evergreens. We have the green trees that are in Phoenix that don't really have leaves that are just, they are just green all year long. And other trees, they are green for a few months and then they lose their leaves and they remain dormant all through the winter. Some flowers bloom every month. Some flowers bloom only once a year, but nature always follows God's laws. And we are like trees and flowers, and we don't all bloom at the same time. Some of us bloom more often than others. Some of us may take more time to build up the energy that we need to bloom, and our blooming season may be shorter than others. But all of those patterns are found in nature, and all of them are beautiful. We all have seasons to bloom. We don't need to pretend to bloom all the time. We don't need to put on an air of joy and happiness when that's not what we're feeling. Maybe it's not our season to bloom. And we can take advantage of those seasons where we're really not blooming by soaking up all the nourishment that we can from living water and from the sun, meaning the Son of God. 
and get all of that nourishment and store it up in our roots and in our branches so that when it is time to bloom, we can do so with confidence. Remember that the Lord wants us to have joy as he works to prove us. That is why we are here on earth, to be proven and to have joy. And as we seek him, he will help us see through joyful eyes. And when it is not our season to bloom, he will nourish us through our personal winters until we are ready to bloom for all the world to see. So let us seek joy amid the challenges of our lives, whatever they are. And together, let's stand. With that in mind, my friends, your shine challenge for this week is to write a joy list of all of the things that bring you joy. Again, things that go from free up to maybe vacations or six-month-long cooking classes or whatever. Put them all on there. Keep them where you can see them. And then when you are feeling down, do something on the list that you know brings you joy. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here, for learning with me about all of our self-care fundamentals. We have now wrapped that up. And next week, we're going to move on to something different. So I hope you will join me back here again next week. We will see you then. Thanks for being here. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's and an A-R-D or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again. And remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.